Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Slayer Podcast. I am your hostess, Haley Lira, and today we're actually going to be talking about a dentist slash hitman serial killer, okay, Dr. Glennon Engelman, who practiced dentistry in the neighborhood he actually grew up in, which is located in the south side of St. Louis, Missouri. Not the best side of town, I hear. Anyway, before I get started, I just want to thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Slayer podcast. I love doing a true crime podcast. It is my hobby. It's something I find joy in, and I am so thankful that you can be here and just listen. It's fun. Okay, with that being said, go check out my Facebook YouTube and TikTok. Now, TikTok's just for a little bit of fun. It's not a lot of true crime, but those are all under the name Storytime Slayer. My Instagram, somebody took my name already. So it is story underscore time underscore slayer. For those of you who aren't aware, I actually started a sponsorship, meaning you can pay $1.99. And what you will get with that is a bonus episode each month. And that bonus episode is going to be ad free. Okay. Let's get started. So Dr. Glennon Engelman practiced dentistry in his neighborhood that he grew up in. And Glenn seemed like a super gentle, quiet, soft-spoken, and very well-known and well-liked man. Especially because he grew up in the neighborhood his dentist practice was in. And despite the rise in violence, Glenn was committed to his neighborhood. And he had no intention of relocating his practice. So he just seems like a man of principle. But just you wait. Glenn would do things like if he saw someone in pain or distress and needing dental care that they couldn't afford, he would just do it for free. He would just do it for free. And he was sort of a mentor to some of the neighborhood kids, getting them things that they lacked like coat, snacks, stuff like that. And if he had the availability, he would actually hire some of the neighborhood kids as they got to be of age. Like I said, Glenn was mild-mannered, he's soft-spoken, he's gentle, and he's fairly intelligent. I read that he had an IQ of 140. I don't even really know if that's a good IQ, but every time I mention an IQ test, it really makes me want to take one. It's kind of ironic because had Glenn moved dentistry locations, he'd probably gotten more fruitful clientele. But instead, he stayed and continued to do good deeds until he went broke. So money problems start to really become a pressing issue. He's unable to pay his accounts for his dental practice supply, but he keeps things afloat by using his sex drive and manipulation skills. He typically would have a relationship or affair with a woman and then ask her to partake in a murder plot where she would get a partner, like she'd go find a husband, somebody that had good benefits, and then she would take out several life insurance policies on him or have him up his life insurance, and then Glenn would kill the husband, and then they'd split the money. We have heard stories like this a million times, right? A million times. But what stood out to me is that in this particular case, Glenn gets away with this over and over. I mean, he does this for like 30 years, you guys. And most people who do this whole murder for hire thing, they typically get into affairs with someone who's like already married and unhappy. Glenn wasn't looking for that. Um, His solitary focus was on manipulating the women, single ones, and then he would convince them to go find somebody with benefits and ensure the shit out of him. I thought it was pretty creative, pretty unique. I I hate to like uh, give him any kind of, you know, bragging rights, but I hadn't really heard of anything like that. 
before I get started, I'm just going to do a quick word from my sponsors. So I have struggled with depression and anxiety most of my life. It has greatly affected my ability to work at times and connect with my loved ones. However, once I was connected with a licensed therapist, I felt so much better and found ways to cope with my anxiety and depression. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you too. BetterHelp has a broad range of expertise with over 20,000 therapists in their network, giving you access to help you may not have available within your area. And it is so simple to get matched with the help you need. You just fill out a questionnaire to assess your specific needs, and within 48 hours, you'll be connected to a therapist. The best part is you can schedule your sessions over video chat or on the phone, whatever you're comfortable with. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist, and it's all confidential, guys. Also, if you don't like your therapist or think they're a good fit, you can request a new one at any time for no cost. So join the 2 million people taking charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash S-T-S. That's betterhelp.com slash S-T-S. Sign up using my promo code to get that 10% off your first month, and I will have that link in my show notes. So Glenn was born in 1927, and he served in the Army and then graduated dental school in 1954. He'd used his military GI Bill to attend dental school and graduated in 1952. Now, I know he'd married a woman named Edna Ruth. I don't quite know how long, but I know that they were for sure divorced by 1958, and she then remarried a man named James Bullock. This was all planned. James was a 27-year-old clerk for Union Electrical Company. He and Edna got married June 28th of 1958, and then James just was mysteriously shot five and a half months later. It wasn't mysterious, though. It was planned before Edna even met James. See, she and Glenn had planned this together all along before they separated. Edna married James. She raised his life insurance policy to 64000 which in today's currency is worth well over $600,000. Then Glenn goes and shoots James, and he and Edna got to split the insurance money. Now, of course, Glenn would be a suspect in James's murder, um, but they couldn't prove it was him, and the case went cold. To get Glenn his share of the money, what he would do is he'd have his ex-wife Edna actually invest this money into his dentist So this was Glenn's first known con and murder, and he actually got away with it for years, okay? He did not get caught. Like I said, he was a suspect, but it was really hard to definitively prove it was him. The next thing he did that anyone knows about is in 1963, he somehow got into cahoots with his business partner, Eric Frey's wife, Sandra. And together, Glenn and Sandra plotted the murder of Eric so that they could do the same thing Glenn and Edna did. At this point in time, Glenn is 36 years old, and I read in an online newspaper article that Eric Frey's wife, Sandra, was actually Glenn's stepniece through marriage, and the business that he and Eric had together was a drag strip. So September 26, 1963, Eric is mysteriously blown up with dynamite 
at the drag strip. It looked like he fell into a well that possibly had dynamite in there. It it appeared to be an accident. But what in fact happened was Sandra got a $37,000 life insurance policy prior to this accident. Then Glenn went and met Eric at the drag strip one night or day, and he hits Eric with a rock, shoves him into a well, and then drops a stick of dynamite down there with him. I do not know how, but the coroner actually ruled this death an accident, which seriously blows my mind. No pun intended. So Glenn gets away with this, and Sandra invests $16,000 into the drag strip business. By the way, though, by 1964, the drag strip business was bankrupt. So this is not even close to the end of our crime spring, guys. At some point in time, Glenn remarried a woman named Ruth, and they have a son named David in 1967. Everything seems fine and dandy. Meanwhile, 1975, 1976-ish, Six, yes, yes. A young woman, 20-year-old, named Carmen Miranda Holm from the neighborhood went to work under Glenn as a hygienist or dental assistant in training. And it said she sort of idolized and looked up to Glenn. He was, he was like a mentor to her. Carmen had grown up in the neighborhood and Glenn was always really nice to the neighborhood kids. Like I said, he'd employed others at his dentistry before. Um, He was just really likable. Glenn was close to being about 50 years old whenever Carmen came to work for him. It sounds like at some point boundaries are crossed in this business relationship, though. And Ruth gets livid because she's like 99% sure Glenn was sleeping with Carmen because they were just too close, in her opinion. Supposedly, Ruth, though, was like the really jealous type and could have quite the temper. Was Carmen sleeping with Glenn? Hell, I don't know. On some accounts, the co-workers seem suspiciously close to people, and other accounts say that Glenn saw her as a daughter. So, whatever. He'd known her since she was two. Um, Regardless, we don't know how Glenn chose to manipulate her, whether it was through sexual chemistry or just friendly chemistry, but he was able to manipulate Carmen. Manipulation from Glenn is always really subtle. He would tell Carmen that, you know, you need to grow up and make some money. Don't just get married and have a bunch of kids like your mom did. You really need to get out of this environment and you need to make some money. But to do that, she needed to figure out how to make more money. And Glenn starts dropping hints and suggesting like, man, you should find a man with really good work benefits and marry him. And then as that got more comfortable, Glenn would press further and explain, if you got married to a man with good work benefits and, you know, a nice hefty life insurance policy, I could even kill him for you and we could split the insurance money. Glenn also disclosed to Carmen, hey, I've done this before. I'm good at it. So she agrees and they start going through a list of potential suitors or men that Carmen could marry and Glenn could kill together. So Carmen had dated this guy named Peter Holm in high school and he had reconnected with Carmen while she was working at Glenn's dentistry. Peter was a union lineman for the utility company, a union lineman. Wow. Think of the excellent benefits guys. And although Carmen wasn't actually head over heels for Peter, Glenn suggested that she marry him and this could be the man that they murder. Now, here's the thing about Glenn. Remember, he's extremely manipulative. Carmen wants to go along with Glenn's plan. She wants to please him. He is her mentor. Glenn has created this 
relationship dynamic to where Carmen wants to please him. And so she readily agrees. And under a year of Peter and Carmen rekindling their romance, they get married and Carmen decides to get another job at a different office with Glenn's help just to put some distance between her and Glenn for this murder plan. So while Glenn was getting the wheels in motion for this Peter and Carmen plan, he was getting into pretty deep debt with a woman named Sophie Marie Barrera. She owned South St. Louis Dental Lab. This is where Glenn got his dentistry equipment. So Glenn had a mounting debt with the Barrera family and it was becoming increasingly higher and higher and they were really starting to put the pressure on Glenn that he needed to pay them. I really don't think Carmen was the right person for the con Glenn was trying to pull off, but I think the pressure of the money he owed to the Barrera family was making him just compress like a diamond, right? So it's September 5th, 1976, Labor Day weekend. Carmen and Peter go to a popular park referred to as The Caves. It's in Pacific, Missouri. And Carmen and Peter get out of the car. She's got a really big purse on her shoulder. Um, This is a place that you want to walk around. You're going inside caves. You don't want to have to carry a big purse. So Carmen says, hey, I'm going to go put this purse in the car and I'll be right back. Peter's like, no problem, babe. He waits there. And while putting her purse up, Glenn has actually gone and hidden nearby at the park behind a bush that Labor Day. And he shoots Peter while Carmen's putting her bag up. So this looks like some kind of random shooting at the park. Carmen screams, help, call 911. And surely enough, 911 and ambulance arrive. But it's no use because Peter is already dead from the injuries to his chest. While surveying the crime scenes, investigators notice a big duct taped X on a nearby rock. I don't know if it was a cave wall or if it was just a small rock. Not sure. But The police saw this and they think, oh man, somebody must have been practicing target shooting. Not far from the X, maybe 50 yards, was a six millimeter rifle and a bottle of Boone Farms wine. Wow, this had to be Glenn. His broke ass is drinking damn Boone Farms. Police also found two six millimeter shotgun shells near the rifle and the bottle of wine. So this is a rural area. And at first glance, it looks like, okay, somebody is sipping wine and doing target practice. And they must have shot Peter by accident. When they look a little bit harder, something doesn't seem right because the rifle has a scope and a scope is typically used for long range shooting and the duct taped X was way too close for somebody to use the scope on this particular scope and rifle model. And if you brought a bottle of wine and plan to do target practice, police expected to find more than just two shell casings, the exact number of times Peter was shot. So this accidental shooting very quickly gets interpreted to be a staged crime scene by investigators. So obviously they turn to Carmen. She's a hot mess. She's crying and she just explained they were going to the cave. She went to go put her purse away and then Peter was shot. As suspicious as this is, there's literally no suspects. No one knows who would want to do this. Um, Back at the lab, they find the gun, wine bottle, and shell casings have all been wiped clean, so there's no fingerprints. And the 6mm rifle was a match to the murder weapon, but it had been stolen in a burglary six months prior to this crime. You know, usually if you have the smoking gun, you can solve the case, but... 
not the case here. So police know, okay, for one, this was definitely a setup. This was definitely a premeditated murder, but who did this and why? In South St. Louis, there's a lot of mob and gang activity at this time. And so they look for any connection that Peter could have had to organized crime or gang activity. That was a dead end. So naturally, they have to dive into Peter's personal life. Something that stands out to police is that neighbors told them they could actually hear Carmen and Peter yelling at each other a lot. They argued a lot. So at this point, Carmen is the police's only real suspect. So then they decide, okay, well, let's talk to people that know Carmen really well. And that included Glenn, her former boss. The police instantly notice that when they're talking to Glenn, Glenn is giving them the runaround. So he's literally rambling on about everything, but what police are really wanting to know about Carmen. Two days later, they try to follow up with Carmen again. However, Carmen had checked herself into a psychiatric ward and therefore she could not be reached by police. The case eventually becomes a cold case. I think the violence in the area and the mob wars during this time period created a lot of senseless murders for police to solve. So there was just more crime than there were investigators. And that's how this case went cold for years. If I'm not mistaken, Carmen gained like $60,000 in insurance, which is well over $200,000 in today's currency, and she gave Glenn $10,000. Now, in Glenn's other cons, he makes significantly more profit than he did on this one. I guess it's all profit, right? I don't know. Do you ride off your Boone's Farm wine, right? <laughs> no joke. Sorry. Okay. So seriously, though, I do sometimes think that Glenn was having an affair with Carmen because he just made significantly less compared to how much insurance she took out. By the way, Glenn had a friend named Robert Handy that would gradually become more involved in his crimes. But for starters, it was Robert who got the gun for Glenn to use in the murder of Peter. And I think he got it knowing full well what Glenn had intended to do with the gun. So again, Glenn gets away with murder. So as time passes, the neighborhood that Glenn grew up and worked in had gone to total shit. It was a very dangerous area. There was constant mob violence, even bombings. So this causes Glenn to lose more and more business. People don't even know how he kept the doors open to his dentistry. And he's now in debt to Sophie Barrera for $18,000. And that's a lot of money for back then. As if things couldn't be going any worse for him, him and Ruth get divorced. No worries though, guys, because all Glenn needs to solve this problem is find another woman and talk her into putting a hit out on her loved ones so that he can split the life insurance money with her. That's all he needs. And he lucks out. He meets a woman named Barbara Goosewell Boyle. And I think that they actually did become lovers. Glenn does the same thing to Barb that he did to Carmen. He talks her into marrying someone, preferably someone with good benefits or something to gain, and then take out a life insurance policy on them. So Barb does the assignment. She gets with a man named Ronald and the two get married. Ronald was the sole inheritor of his parents' business and estate. And they were pretty well off. So this con was a little bit more complicated and it required a couple more people to die. 
So Glenn enlists the help of his friend Robert Handy. Remember, that's the man who got him the weapon that he used to kill Peter with. And this time he actually asks Robert to come with him to kill Randall's parents. And Robert agrees. So the two actually break in to Ronald's parents' home. It was a farmhouse in Illinois. And Glenn shoots the father, Arthur, I think twice in the head. And then he bashes the mother, Verinita, to death it may be vernita 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 just like barb and glenn anticipated the money and estate went to ronald and in the meantime barb just took out several life insurance policies on ronald which he did not know about they were forged and plotted his murder with glenn when it came time to murder ronald glenn enlisted the help of his friend robert again but this time robert takes a more active role in the murders See, it was about 17 months after they'd killed Ronald's parents. March 31st, 1978, Ronald comes home from work. And instead of just being greeted by his wife, Barb, he's actually greeted in his garage by Glenn, Robert, and Barb. Glenn shoots Robert and then hits him in the head with a hammer. I think then Glenn and Robert actually relocated Ronald's body to a parking garage to make it look like that is where Ronald had actually been in shock. When they get away with this, they get away with it for a long time as well. I mean, these people seem unstoppable. Reports vary, but I think that Barb received well over $330,000, which is equivalent to over a million dollars in today's currency. I do not know exactly how much Glenn and Robert received, but I know they got paid and I know it was a pretty good penny. Just as Carmen did, Barb said to have had a mental breakdown and checked into a psychiatric ward, which actually makes me think this is just parts of Glenn's plan. Like, it does seem like it could have been his idea to have them go to a mental hospital. That way, nobody could question and bombard them. And it would make sense for why they would need treatment after such traumatic things happened to their loved ones. However, Glenn is still in this debt to Sophie and he decides you know what I'm going to take care of that issue once and for all and I ain't paying her to do it so in 1979 Sophie was trying to collect on the $14,000 that Glenn owed her Um, she had no such luck so she was actually finally taking his ass to court however six months later in a very very short time just six days before Sophie and Glenn are to appear in court Sophie died in a bomb explosion. Yeah, there was a bomb filled with dynamite sticks in her car and the switch had been placed under her tire. So when she reversed out and drove over the switch, the bomb automatically detonated in the car with her. She was a total loss. So side notes, bombs were being commonly used by the mob at this time and there was a lot of mob violence and bomb explosions in this area. I just want to mention that because that issue sounds so unique to me. I mean, it's 2022 and I cannot think of a time in my adult life where bombs were going off near me due to organized crime or even unorganized crime. So police are thinking that this could potentially be a mob hit. And so they find ways to identify the car and possibly the woman in the car. Sophie's identity was confirmed by her ex-husband and son, and any possibility of this explosion being mob-related seemed to just fly out the damn window. So, who would want to blow her up is the police's next question. 
When police do some digging, they find a report that had came in three weeks earlier. See, Sophie had gotten up ready for work and she was on her way out the door when she found a bomb in her garage. Fortunately for her, the bomb had actually gotten wet and therefore it did not detonate. Sophie immediately thought it was Glenn who was trying to murder her and she actually told her friends and loved ones that she thought he was going to kill her. So police do some digging in Sophie's life and they find out not only have there been a previous attempt on her life, Sophie was adamant Glenn was behind the bombing attempt and she only had, what, six days until she was due to go to court with Glenn. Then she was murdered. This obviously made Glenn a suspect. So police decide not only to pay Glenn a visit, but they also go speak with his ex-wife, Ruth. At first, Ruth would not really speak to police, but they just kept probing her and trying. And eventually she gives in and she talks. And it became apparent that Ruth didn't want to talk about Glenn because she was terrified of him and afraid he'd want her dead just for what she knows. Let alone if she starts spilling the beans and telling on him. Now, at this point, police are only investigating Glenn for the murder of Sophie. And it was Ruth who dropped the bomb that, uh, for one... Glenn had a lot of friends in the neighborhood that were mob affiliated because Glenn always wanted to be a mob boss. And obviously that's why he won't leave the neighborhood. And for two, she told police that Glenn had killed many people, not just Barb. And she knew he'd be willing to kill more. Ruth spills the bean. She fills police in on all of Glenn's murder history. Glenn was basically a hitman or a contract killer, but rather than link up with the mob and take their assignments, he created his own opportunities by manipulating women into taking out policies and giving him a cut of the money for doing the murders. Here's the thing though, because Glenn made these confessions to Ruth, while they were married, her testimony in court would be inadmissible. What they needed was like an audio recording. Ruth reluctantly, very reluctantly, agrees to this. She agrees to wear a wire. First, instead of putting the wire on her body and like meeting at a restaurant, they actually bug her house or really, I think her bedroom. And she was going to try and get him to confess during hot, intimate sex. That didn't work. He becomes really suspicious of things that she's saying and he just kind of clams up. But the next day she meets him in a coffee spot and he speaks a lot more freely and with ease. He makes some really bizarre statements. He says, quote, you can be sexually intimate with another person, but when you're homicidally intimate with another person, that is really something end quote. And he also went on to say that he had intense homicidal intimacy with Carmen. Glenn clearly had no remorse and that's okay because police had a confession that they knew they could use. So they arrest Glenn February 24th, 1980. And in exchange for immunity, Carmen agreed to testify against him and work with prosecutors. Apparently Peter's murder is something that greatly affected Carmen and she deeply deeply regretted it it changed her entire demeanor it ruined her life but I mean I don't give a fuck I think it is so unfair that she got full immunity that greedy bitch 1980 Glenn is found guilty for the murders of Peter and Sophie I believe he was sentenced to 30 years for the killing of Peter and life without the possibility of parole for 50 years of the death of Sophie Sorry, I said that kind of weird. So he did get a life sentence for the murder of Sophie, but he gets a parole opportunity after 50 years. 
Trying to get leniency, Robert Handy actually spilled the beans about the murder for hire Glenn did with Barb. And apparently Robert had aided him in the murders of Ronald as well as Ronald's parents. So Glenn gets charged with those three murders and he pleads guilty to those in 1985. So he gets three life sentences for the murder of Ronald and Ronald's parents. Barbara is also charged with these murders and she's sentenced to 50 years, but she gets paroled out after 25 years. Apparently, Barb was apprehended and extradited from Florida. Yeah, because when she heard about all this murder charges drumming up, she went and shacked up with some man and tried to flee the country and go to Switzerland. Barb actually had the audacity to pretend to be a grief-stricken widow over what happened to her husband for years, which totally disgusts me. Robert Handy was found guilty of conspiracy charges. He did get leniency for his confessions because he was only sentenced to like 14 or 17 years. He served his time and he was out of prison before Barb. I am really disappointed in Barb and Carmen. I find it really strange that people seem to sympathize with Carmen and not sympathize with Barb. People are like, oh, poor Carmen. She was manipulated. I, I mean, I just don't get it. I, I just don't. I don't feel bad for her. I think she shouldn't have done that. Despite the fact that Ruth seemed to know what Glenn had been doing all those years, she's charged with no crimes. Zero crimes due to lack of evidence. I think that Ruth was sitting high on the horse spending that money with Glenn and she didn't get any trouble. Glenn died in prison in 1999 at the age of 72. He'd had some history of diabetes. I think that was giving him trouble. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Slayer podcast and I will talk to you next week. Bye.